This week on the podcast, talking about Facebook ads and how we can use them for social impact. This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to episode number 96, and we are speaking with our very own digital advertising whaler, Jasmine Cordue, as she explains the different tactics behind using Facebook ads for not-for-profits. And it's particularly interesting because she has seen so many different types of ads and causes out there. We make the case also for why you should consider even advertising in the first place on a platform that we used to be able to get for free. We made pages back in the day, talking like five, ten years ago on Facebook. It helped our cause. There was tons of traffic being sent over the fence. And now today it is dwindled down to 7% or less in terms of the reach based on the Facebook algorithm. It's much more of an insular platform, a platform designed to keep people in its ecosystem clicking and viewing its own ads. But that doesn't mean there isn't a place for us to play, which is why we're speaking with Jasmine, who's going to explain some of the tactics that Holwell has used, as well as some of the other uh, updates to the platform around donations uh, and other ways that you can succeed uh, by basically spending a few bucks to, to figure out if there is ROI, return on investment, for your organization. So let's jump into it. I'm here with Jasmine Cordue, the digital advertising whaler of Whole Whale. How's it going, Jasmine? Pretty good. How you doing, George? Uh, well... I'm doing all right. In San Francisco, it's sunny. I'm enjoying myself. You're joining us from the Whole Whale Brooklyn office. Yeah, in bright and sunny New York. So, Jasmine, we're bringing you on the Whole Whale podcast today to talk about Facebook ads. And maybe you can start off with a brief of you know what you do at Whole Whale and then some of your experience with Facebook advertising. At Whole Whale, I mainly focus on digital advertising strategy for many of our nonprofit clients. Um, my day to day usually looks like Google AdWords management, social media strategy, as well as overall digital advertising strategy, focusing on Facebook for the most part. So I'm interested because back in my day, Jasmine, uh, Facebook was really a great platform for nonprofits to create a page and drive traffic and all of this fantastic engagement and we were told to you know just create great content put great uh, pictures out there and people will find your cause and love you why all of a sudden are we talking about having to pay facebook I think we're all aware that Facebook has been going through some algorithm changes on top of many other issues that they're dealing with. And what comes with the algorithm change is a dwindle in organic reach. Um, statistically, each post a nonprofit makes on Facebook only reaches about 7% of their audience um, within the last year. So that leaves 
ample amount ample amounts of room for us to put some money behind the content that we're posting and get some more eyes on the content and ultimately increase our audience if this is now a pay-to-play platform which i feel like some people just tuned out and i respect you for that <laughs> look if this is a pay-to-play platform how hard is it to set up ads and manage them is this like can i do it in a day how much knowledge do i have to have and what are the downsides or dangers of doing this it's actually pretty easy to set up a campaign and run ads on facebook they pretty much have an ad type for everything i think people will spend the most time on the planning side thinking about the campaigns and the goals that you want to accomplish with these ads but setting up an ad is quite simple and can take anywhere from 15 minutes to almost an hour, depending on the number of ads you're creating. The most common mistakes I've seen people make when it comes to Facebook advertising, they usually focus on boosting a post, which basically means you're putting dollars behind one particular post and getting a bunch of engagement on that. While that can be helpful if you want to get eyes on a particular event or a particular article, it can be very limiting because you're not showcasing all the other great content or all the other great work that your org is doing. So instead of focusing on just boosting one particular post, you just run ads for different different goals, like um, to sending traffic to your site, to increase your digital audience, um, focusing on conversions, getting more email signups. Yeah, that's pretty much the, the biggest downfall I've seen. Um, also, something to keep in mind is that you may put some money behind these ads and you may not get the ROI that you're looking for. And there are just some ways to to fix that. Um, but I guess we'll get to that later on, right, George? <laughs> Maybe. I get distracted easily, Jasmine. <laughs> All right. I want to touch on making this very practical. So I want to touch on the types of ads. Not, I, I, look, I don't care about every single ad type because I know they have tons of them. Jasmine, what is the most practical thing, type, ad type, strategy that you've seen that you'd recommend to our audience for that range of like, I'm going to spend like two to 400 bucks? Yeah, I think the first place to start is to determine your digital goals because whatever you want to focus on, you have to figure out the ad type that's best for it. So let's say we wanted to drive traffic back to a site. One of the most common ad types you use is a traffic ad. And you can use that for almost any goal that you have because any off platform goal that you have because it's a really flexible ad type. You can use uh, still images and videos for it. You can um, customize the copy, customize the call to action button, and you can pretty much do that for other ad types. You may also want to focus on um, using engagement ads or uh, reach ads. These, all ad, these ad types help you reach a bunch of people and get, you can get more likes, uh, more video views. Um, these are the most common ad types I've seen so far, so I recommend trying a couple of those. Yeah, and I think your point about making sure you understand your digital goals is crucial. One of the things that drives me nuts is watching people spend hundreds and thousands of dollars just to boost posts so that a random engagement number goes up on their Facebook page where they're like, look how many people we're reaching because they haven't defined why the heck they're doing it and they're just advertising against cute puppies and, and calling it success. Can you talk to us a little bit more about the most common metrics and digital goals that people that advertise on Facebook tend to have? Sure. 
most times we see advertisers using traffic ads to draw traffic back to the their website. Um, we also see people using lead generation ads. Um, lead generation ads are great because you can collect your followers' emails for your email list without them having to do much work. It's on platform. They don't have to go anywhere. And most times, they don't even have to type in their full email. They just type in the first letter. The email will naturally auto-populate. And it's super simple. You collect a bunch of emails there. We actually worked with... Um, Earth Day Network for a partnership with Salsa Labs, running lead generation ads for them. And with a budget of about 300 bucks and running the ads for a week, we were able to collect almost 900 emails. So what's that? So, our, what was our ROI on that? The ROI on that was 35 cents per acquisition, which is a record low from my line of work. Yeah, so we're, we're jumping into the details of emails, and if your organization is helped by increasing the number of people that want to hear from you, that get your emails, that are willing to donate and volunteer and do what have you, uh, what are the ranges, Jasmine, for the cost per email that you've seen? Oh, I've seen it kind of range wildly from as low as 35 cents to as high as $60 and sometimes higher depending on the organization, depending on the content, depending on the landing page. Um, with emails, it's kind of a wild, wild west because, you know, some content verticals have uh, just naturally more interest in the particular areas than others. Um, just sheer volume of people in certain areas are more or less than others. So it's one of those ad types that uh, require some testing uh, before you can get to a place where you can get 900 emails for 35 cents. So it's, it's, a, it's a model that we're, we're kind of like working on figuring out, but worth testing for sure. Yeah, and as you said, there's a lot of variables that play in the type of cause, how narrow your audience is. Are you trying to find people that, you know, ride a unicycle on Tuesdays in a, only in Iowa? Like, that's going to be a pricey one. And, yeah, we recommend yeah. Um, going broader uh, when it comes to these, like, super niche audiences. Trying to broaden that out as best as possible without going too far out of scope because you want to make sure that your your pool of people is large enough to, you know, generate the type of ROI you're looking for. Cool. Alrighty. So here are some tactics that I know in the past people have talked about creating lookalike audiences and then also retargeting based on an email list. What do I have to consider now that GDPR, General Data Protection Regulations, and best practices around that are, are potentially in place for organizations listening? Yeah, so if you want to use an email list uh, for retargeting, you have to make sure that, one, the emails were collected in a way that is GDPR compliant. Um, the thing to understand about Facebook in relation to the GDPR is that when you're using an email list that you've collected, you are now acting as a data controller, which means you have to make sure your organization and the way that you capture those emails are GDPR compliant. Um, also, when you are um, collecting emails on their platform, it's the same thing, just making sure you're GDPR compliant. As well as lookalike audiences, you don't have to worry too much about lookalike audiences. Facebook, in that sense, is a data controller. You're just manipulating the data as a processor. 
to find people who look like your initial audiences. But as long as your emails were collected in the right fashion, there's no worries about looking like audiences there. Gotcha. So just to translate, collect your emails correctly. Make sure your privacy policy says what you are doing. And yeah, be careful. When it comes to opportunities we've seen, I know, uh, at least internally, we've been getting excited about the cheaper cost per video views that we've been seeing. Can you tell us a little bit about the strategies involved with promoting a video, length, any transcript, or other things? Of course. So Facebook is now very friendly, and has been for a while, very friendly to videos. Some things to keep in mind when you're posting videos on Facebook is that you want to make sure every video that you post has closed captioning enabled. You can and you can create the captions yourself, you can create them natively on the video, or you can do them through Facebook. The reason why that's so important is that Facebook is prioritizing videos, and we want to make sure that the user, as they're scrolling, can get context of the full video without them having to turn their music off. Um, statistics show that most users, when they're scrolling through videos on Facebook, they're not turning the sound on. So by adding closed captioning, you're able to give the user context about what's happening without them having to stop what they're doing. Also, you want to make sure that your videos aren't too long. You can pretty much upload whatever length video onto Facebook, but best practices say to keep the videos to a minute or less, two minutes at max. Um, the attention span of most social media users are quite slim, so kind of packing enough information and content into a short video is going to be ideal to make sure you're getting enough views, people are watching the video as long as you want them to, and you're keeping the engagement up. All right, Jasmine, we are going to play a game called Pro versus Con. Uh, we're going to go around Facebook ads. Should you do them or not do them? Would you like the pro-con side? Which side? The pro side. You want? All right, so you're in favor. Uh, I am against running Facebook ads. Uh, you uh, you are up. Make your quick case, and I will counterpoint. Awesome. So Facebook ads are really helpful for increasing nonprofit audiences. Also, we want to make sure that we're getting enough eyes on our content. So by putting ad dollars behind it, you can almost guarantee um, increases in engagement or just eyes on your posts. Um, you want to make sure that we are focusing on really increasing our followers. So Facebook advertising is really good for that as well as a bunch of other things like driving traffic to a site or increasing conversions. You pretty much have an ad type for everything. So if you need help in a bunch of different verticals, Facebook advertising pretty much has you has you secure. All right. Fair. However, isn't most of the advertising that I'd be spending on Facebook growing my audience on Facebook, which on them, then I just have to pay for again and again as I build any sort of uh, a fan or like reach on my page, uh, I don't really own them. I don't have that information. So why don't I just look at a broader landscape rather than just paying Facebook to increase things like traffic, for example, through maybe content marketing and writing content that gets me search? Yeah, I think to counter that, George, the best part about Facebook advertising is that you can incorporate this one particular strategy into your other strategies as well. These things aren't meant to operate in silos. They're meant to work hand in hand. So Facebook advertising can essentially be a part of the glue that holds your overall strategies together. Also, you don't need a lot of money to advertise on social media. So it may be kind of 
overwhelming to think about throwing hundreds of dollars each month into one particular ad type. But you can pretty much start off with, you know, 20 bucks here, 50 bucks there. You don't necessarily have to continue to pull in lots and lots of money to generate the ROI you're looking for. So I also heard, Jasmine, that I have to put a Facebook tracking pixel and put more code onto my site in order to tell what Facebook is doing in terms of driving conversions on my site. Uh, and though I get more analytics out of it, uh, I'm really kind of bothered by the fact that it's very clear Facebook's just sucking in more of my data. Yeah, the good thing about the pixel is that it's not a mandatory requirement. Um, if you are interested in zooming in on Facebook traffic and how it relates to your site, then the pixel can be super helpful. But if you're worried about Facebook just collecting more data on your website, you can forego adding the pixel and just use your Google Analytics data. Um, I hope everyone is using Google Analytics for their site just to make sure you're monitoring um, your traffic and how conversions are performing on your website. But it's still just as good um, to give you the, the insights you're looking for if you don't want Facebook to collect any more of your website's data. All right. That has been Pro versus Con. Thank you for playing. We'll let the people at home decide who won. Uh, but these are, you know, these are considerations, and we do this because that's the battle in our heads. You know, the other argument that dawns on me is that if you're asking your team to spend time creating great content for Facebook, telling a story, and nobody is listening to it, look, think about how much that time is worth. What is that employee being paid per hour? Now, doesn't it seem silly not to throw a couple extra bucks behind their work so it's actually seen as opposed to going into a vacuum in which 7% of your audience sees it? That's at least my... I definitely agree. Yeah, it's always, you know, it's my, my stump speech usually on it, but it, it bothers me a little bit seeing that like, oh, wait, here's a new cost center, but it's uh, it's already costing you money when you have people spending time. I want to touch on the Facebook pixel and analytics because I think that's critical as soon as you're spending any money driving traffic you better be able to tell me what a conversion is worth because otherwise you really do risk just wasting tons of money it's very helpful to assign a value just to make sure you're keeping in mind how much it's costing you essentially to get all this traffic in to get the acquisitions to get the conversions and that way you can make informed decisions about how to you know optimize or change your strategy to make those numbers match more of what you're looking for. The other thing I heard is that Facebook no longer charges for donations done on the platform. Is that true? And what's the catch? That is true. Um, as of last year, Giving Day, Facebook announced that they will be removing the fees uh, for the, the donations that nonprofits get on the platform. To my understanding, there is no catch. Oh, sorry, there are a couple of catches. I you knew it. To, I knew it. Yeah, yeah, there, but there, there's small catches. You have to acquire a certain amount of money before you uh, are able to extract the donations from the platform. I believe the number is a thousand dollars before you can pull the pull the the money out of the platform that may be a large number to some smaller nonprofits if you know you're just kind of building out your donation strategy i think the use of don catching donations on facebook are better for maybe mid-sized to large nonprofits who can naturally acquire a few thousand dollars in a few months 
only only because you want to make sure that your your money is not sitting in an account for a month at a time that you can't access because it's not enough. So that's just a one caveat to to keep in mind. I would say another one, and obviously rules are changing all the time, but as of you know this statement in June of 2018, you do not get the donor information of people that give to your organization. Now, I know there is a partnership coming, I believe, with BlackBot and some sort of integration there. However, losing that donor information is, uh, is concerning to me, at least, because I know it's the relationship first and then the money second that you, know, you ultimately try to cultivate as a nonprofit. And so that's my real point about some of the data and some of the changing rules to understand what is going on when you do these things. Uh, one other key piece that I hear is that you know, CEO will come in or someone on the board will come in and say, hey, why don't, you know, why don't we just advertise to get people to, to donate to us, send people to our donate page, or wait a minute. Facebook has this donate button. Let's advertise to send people to donate to us. Uh, Jazz, is there free money just like waiting? Can I just spend a hundred dollars and tell people to donate to me and make two hundred dollars? Yes and no. In terms of Facebook, you want to think about the kind of funnel of engagement as you move people from aware of your organization down to committed to your organization. Um, donate. Asking for donations is a pretty big ask. So from a Facebook perspective, it would not be the best use of um, marketing dollars to run ads to get people to donate because, it's again, it's quite a big ask. You want to maybe foster your audience a bit more to usher them into being comfortable to give a donation. However, there is a platform, um, Google AdWords, that gives nonprofits $10,000 a month of free advertising dollars that allows you to run ads to your website asking for you know different things. You can recreate ads that ask for donations. You can send traffic to a donation landing page. Um, or if you just want to get people aware about your organization, you can send traffic to content pages that allows people to get an understanding about what your org does and then feel comfortable to donate. So there are other options outside of Facebook that can help you um, advertise for more money from your followers and constituents. Yeah, here's what I will say on that. I have yet to see a single campaign unless, and I'll put the asterisk at the end, unless there's a unique situation. I have yet to see an organization spend $1 and make $2. And if it was the case, everybody would be doing it. It would be plastered on the sides of billboards, finally a way to make instant dollars. So there's a reason everybody's not doing it, because it doesn't frankly work. What does work, I believe and has always worked, as Jasmine's pointing out, is growing an audience of people that are interested in you, bringing them from interested to aware to care, and then going for the ask. We're seeing cycle times of you know nine to 18 months for that type of nurture messaging. You pull them in, explain what you're doing, and then have that giving moment. Now for the asterisk. We have seen it work around disasters and around news cycle moments. So if you are in that business, you probably are already aware, but if you are the Red Cross and you're not spending money on being front and center during a disaster, that's on you because I do believe there are dollars there. And likewise, you know, if you are the ACLU and maybe somebody in political power has done something woefully embarrassing or inappropriate, that may be a decent time to set up a bit of targeting to reach a certain audience to give you money. Uh, barring that, 
right? Barring those moments when people have that natural inclination and mental uh, availability of, of the cause at hand, geez, I think it's just a waste of money uh, to try to get people to donate off of a cold click. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Um, I am really a big fan of focusing on fostering that up, fostering your audience, building up that engagement first, building up their interest in your organization, having them, you know, opt into getting communications from you and then showing that they care about your organization, volunteering their time and then donations, just to make sure that we are, you know, building an audience, fostering that relationship and making sure that we're not asking them for too much in the upfront because that can, you know, ultimately scare away followers or give them the idea that you only want their money um, which we don't want to convey. All right, Jasmine, as we move to a close, I'm going to ask you some rapid-fire questions uh, because Fire I can. Away. Because I can. All right, what is one <laughs> tech tool or website that you or your organization has started using in the last year? In the last year? Uh, we started using Moz. In the, well, maybe we always use Moz. Maybe Screaming Frog? What tech dragons do you need to slay? Oh, um, I want to slay... WordPress. Um, I think the back end is like super interesting and capable of doing so much. I just want to learn all about it. Talk about a mistake you made early in your career that has shaped the way you do things today. Well, getting distracted from projects um, instead of focusing on kind of priority projects. Um, learn very quickly that that's not the way to do things at Whole World. Prioritization and organization are two really big skills that I've learned in the last year, and I'm going to continue to foster that. Do you believe that not-for-profits can successfully go out of business? Yeah, if we're not smart about how they use their dollars, if they're not smart about how they're fostering their engagement, it's pretty easy for a nonprofit to kind of fall to the wayside, unfortunately. If you had a hot tub time machine and could go back to earlier when you started, I guess, at Whole Whale, uh, what would you tell that younger Jasmine? Focus. Don't get too hung up on small mistakes always be problem-solving oriented. What is something that you think you should stop doing? Procrastinating. <laughs> if you had a Harry Potter magical wand that you could wave across the nonprofit sector, what would it do? Give them more money to do the good things that they're doing. All right. And finally, how do people find you? How do people help you? Shoot me an email, jasmine at wholewell.com if you ever have advertising questions. Um, and how can they help me? Um, if you find new resources that you are interested in, uh, feel free to share them. Um, I'm always learning. We take learning very serious at Whole Whale. So if you have any new findings or you want to discuss anything about what you found, let me know. Brilliant. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy advertising day to inform us. Awesome. Happy to have done it. And it's time to feed the whales with a quick word from our sponsor, Whole Whale. Lighthouse by Whole Whale is a brand new Google Analytics add-on that lets you see what each of your email subscribers are doing on your website. Lighthouse links your email CRM with Google Analytics to connect the dots in your data. Give your supporters what they need by getting to know exactly what they're looking for. This easy, affordable tool shines light on what content, what pages, what paths, and what clicks they may have explored in the past two years. Learn more at getlighthouse.io. That's getlighthouse.io. And now back to our show. 
I hope that was helpful to hear the conversation uh, between Jasmine and I as we joke around and explain some of the Facebook ads and the strategies involved. The piece that I want to emphasize is that I, I have to say you're not allowed to do any manner of spending until you know what that ROI looks like. If you're simply spending money just to increase a random number inside of the Facebook page and analytics there saying, look, we reached six degrees of Kevin Bacon, 100,000 impressions were landed because we spent an extra X number of dollars. If you haven't quantified the value of an impression, the value of a 15 second or 30 second or two minute timeline when it comes to somebody viewing some of your content, do not spend money. Spend the money on mapping out why your digital efforts matter. Mapping out why they matter for the outcomes your organization is after. Are you trying to increase literacy, awareness of a disease, a cure, some type of cognitive shift in an audience? And until you've defined that, set measures against it, you're not allowed to spend any money because you're just throwing it away anyway. The land of digital is awesome because it can be measured so closely. However, it does require more effort up front to define what it is you're chasing, why it matters that you have an extra email in your system. Uh, so lots of homework to do, uh, as always. We have resources available on this podcast, episode 96, and because I know that you're going to be rushing out to spend uh, intelligently on this platform. We have a whole actual resource and whole whale university that we will link to around how to spend ads intellig- ad dollars intelligently on Facebook, led by none other than our very own Jasmine, uh, who is super knowledgeable. Again, episode 96, thanks for joining us. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com slash podcast and consider following us on Twitter at Whole Whale. And thanks for joining us. And music. Thank you, Greg Thomas, gregthomasmusic.org, providing the dulcet tunes that you have heard throughout this and many other podcasts by Whole Whale. Thanks, Greg.